Hi, I'm Wayne Heinsohn, the pastor of Grace Church Australia. Thanks so much for checking out this podcast. We hope it is inspirational and it equips you to make known the name of Jesus. You can stay connected with us during the week by going to gracegathering.online. So today I want to start what I think is going to be a brand new series that will run over the next few weeks. It's called Default Setting. And when it comes to our walk with Jesus, there are several things that should be a given, several things that should be non-negotiables in this Christian walk that we have. And they're the kind of things that form the basis of our faith. And so in this series, uh, what I want to do is I want to explore some of those default settings, some of those normal behaviors, the things that we should be doing without even thinking. So imagine that you've got yourself a new phone or a new computer. When you open that out of the box, it comes with a default setting. It's the thing that the manufacturer has made it. And they can be modified, of course, but the manufacturer said, this is how we think you should actually use it. Their purpose, though, is actually to create a foundation with which that device operates. And so that's kind of where the thought comes from today, because as followers of Jesus, there's numerous foundations on which our faith should be based. And so over the next few weeks, what I actually want to do is I want to look at some of those default settings and see what they are. And... Um, just really, I guess, uh, help us to be careful that we're not moving away from them because it can be quite easy for us to do that. Not intentionally, of course, but the busyness of life and the fullness of life can distract us from those default settings. So today our message is called Default Setting Thanksgiving because I've been thinking about Thanksgiving over the last week or so and it actually occurred to me that Thanksgiving is this coming Thursday in America. Now, I know Thanksgiving is something that we don't necessarily celebrate here in Australia, but I wasn't actually aware that uh, an Australian territory like Norfolk Island, they are going to be celebrating Thanksgiving Day tomorrow. So I guess there is a part of Australia that actually uh, celebrates Thanksgiving Day. But when we think about Thanksgiving Day, uh, it's a secular holiday in places like America, also in Germany and Japan and Canada. The focus, though, at the moment is to celebrate with family, uh, to eat a big turkey with cranberry sauce, to have some pumpkin pie, to watch American football on the screen. Or if you were to believe the movies, maybe it's about finding new love or it's about being stranded at an airport because an unexpected snowstorm comes in and you've got no way of getting anywhere because all modes of transport have been stopped. Now, some of that may or may not be true in 2021, but the foundation of Thanksgiving Day is actually biblical and it dates back to the English Reformation because originally it began as a day of giving thanks and sacrifice for the blessing of the harvest of the preceding year. So the year before you'd have the harvest in Thanksgiving, you would actually say thank you to God for that. And very much it sounds like what we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. It says, give thanks no matter what happens. God wants you to thank him because you believe in Christ Jesus. Great verse, that one. And I know that one, like a lot of uh, passages of scripture, is much easier to read than to do. But I think if we're actually deliberate about giving thanks, no matter what happens, then it can become part of our foundation, our default settings 
when it comes to walking with Jesus and living the Christian life. And I know in my family, we've got six kids. Almost every night we sit down together for our evening meal and we rotate through our kids when it comes to saying grace. And without fault, uh, they will say something along the lines of, thank you for keeping us safe or um, thank you that we had a good day today. Uh, thank you for this food. Thank you for our family, things along those lines. So I want to encourage you as we start tonight, and hopefully my voice will hold out, I want to encourage you that no matter what your face, what you face, God's goodness and mercy will never leave you. He is always with you through the good ones, through the bad ones, whether you feel it or you believe that to be the case or not. The truth is that God prepares blessings for you even in the middle of hard seasons. And if no other reason, we should give thanksgiving to him and thanksgiving should be our default setting because of that. Now, these truths aren't always easy to remember, especially when things are challenging, which is why thanksgiving matters. Gratitude helps us to focus on the only one who is able to turn our problems around for his glory and for our good. Let me say that again. For his glory, but for our good. That's the heart of the Father for you and for me. And that's why our default setting should always be, in amongst all of the default settings we'll talk about during this series, should always be thanksgiving. So today what I want to do is I want to spend some time in the book of Luke. We're going to be in chapter 17 if you want to grab your Bibles. And we're going to take a look at one man who knew what it was to give thanks. So we're going to start today in verse 11. On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus passed through the border region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered one village, ten men approached him, but they kept their distance, for they were lepers. They shouted to him, Mighty Lord, our wonderful master, won't you have mercy on us and heal us? When Jesus stopped to look at them, he spoke these words, Go to be examined by the Jewish priests. They set off and they were healed while walking along the way. One of them, a Samaritan, when he discovered that he was completely healed, turned back to find Jesus, shouting out joyous praises and glorifying God. When he found Jesus, he fell down at his feet and thanked him over and over, saying to him, You are the Messiah. So where are the other nine, Jesus asked. Weren't there ten who were healed? They all refused to return to give thanks and glory to God except you, a foreigner from Samaria. Then Jesus said to the healed man lying at his feet, Arise and go. It was your faith that brought you salvation and made you whole. Now, I love that passage, and I think it is so very rich in terms of what I want to talk about today, because I also think it's a bit of a metaphor for the world that we live in today. So many people want to get from God all that he can give them. They will be happy to put their hands up and receive the blessings but so few people actually want to give God all the glory and the thanks and the praise that he deserves. For me, it's really mind boggling. You know, in the natural, we say thank you to people if they give us a gift or something along those lines. But sadly, this is commonplace throughout the world that we live in, including certain aspects of the church. So what I want to do today is I actually want to break down this passage and see what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us today. 
So Jesus is out on one of his ministry trips. He's crossing the border. So he's not heading into Western Australia or Queensland, of course, but he enters a village and there are 10 men that are congregated together. They are separate from the rest of the village because these 10 men actually have leprosy. It's the worst disease of their day. It attacks the body, it leaves sores, fingers uh, and toes drop off, limbs disappear, and it can actually take 30 years for the disease to run its course. And in that time, entire limbs simply fall off. Now, we might think that's pretty bad, and it is, but it's actually the emotional pain of a leper that is much worse than the physical pain because emotionally, they're separated from their family, they're separated from community, they've got no contact whatsoever with their children or their grandchildren, absolutely none that is immediately removed once they are diagnosed with leprosy. Uh, these lepers couldn't even kiss their wife goodbye. So they were shunned by society because of the disease that they had. And because of that, they actually found comforts with each other. So they would hang around together. They found safety and companionship with each other. And this was completely normal for lepers at the time. So given that they were outcasts and given that no one wanted to have anything to do with them, these lepers stood back when Jesus arrived in the village. They knew that they couldn't simply go up and speak to Jesus because they were forbidden by law and custom to come near to anybody who was healthy. That was just the law at the time because they didn't want these lepers infecting them. So because of that, they tended to roam together. They went out looking for food together. They begged for assistance uh, from a great distance. And the one way they did that was learning to yell in loud voices. They also yelled in loud voices because they warned others not to come near. They begged for help in loud voices, but they also, it was a safety mechanism for those that were healthy. And the lepers would shout to them and say, don't come near, don't come near. Yet these lepers also knew if they could just get to Jesus, that he could heal them. Like others in the village, the lepers had heard the many miracles that Jesus had already performed. And so in verse 13, what they do is the only thing that they can do. They shout out to Jesus in the hope that he will hear them and he will heal them as well. Here's what it says in verse 13. They shouted to him, mighty Lord, our wonderful master, won't you have mercy on us and heal us? Now, what these lepers shout out is actually an acknowledgement about the deity of Jesus and the power that he has to heal them. And I think that's such a great key, an important key when it comes to thanksgiving. We need to start from a place where we acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. We acknowledge that God is our source in all things and through all seasons. And when we do that, it's so easy for us to have a default setting of, of uh, thanksgiving. When we don't do that, however, we can become complacent and we can give glory to other people or organizations. And then in the next verse, in verse 14, we actually see the compassionate response of Jesus. We read in verse 14, when Jesus stopped to look at them, he spoke these words, go to be examined by the Jewish priests. They set off and they were healed while walking along the way. They were healed while walking along the way. We're going to get to that in a moment. But my first point for us today is we can be thankful 
because Jesus hears us. Now, it would have been so easy, I think, for Jesus just to ignore these lepers. You have to imagine, given that regularly in the Bible, it tells us that crowds followed Jesus, that a crowd has gathered in this village. And as the crowd gathers, there's got to be a lot of noise. There's got to be a lot of distractions around Jesus at this time. Now, of course, this passage doesn't tell us specifically, but we can see what has happened elsewhere when Jesus visited places and imagine that this is the case. So here I've got no doubt that many people are trying to touch the hem of Jesus's robe. Many people are asking him to pray for them or to pray for their family members. Maybe others have been asking Jesus to, uh, to share some godly wisdom, to speak a word of encouragement or prophecy over them. So it would have been full on at this time in the village. And I think that's why the lepers have to shout to Jesus, not only because they're at a distance, but also because they want the Messiah, they want their wonderful master to actually hear them and so given that they are a distance away, the only way that they can do that is to actually shout above the noise that would have been surrounding Jesus at the time. The thing that I find remarkable is that as Jesus hears the men shouting, he stops to look at them. Now, I just like to put myself into the picture at this point in time, and I imagine what was a noisy village, there is now a hushed silence. Maybe there's a couple of gentle whispers among the crowd about how Jesus is talking to the outcasts. But as the crowd is waiting in anticipation, they're waiting to hear the words that Jesus is going to speak to these 10 lepers. Because I think maybe there's some people in that village who think that Jesus is actually going to rebuke the lepers and tell them to be quiet. We saw that, for example, in the story of Bartimaeus. People told Bartimaeus to be quiet. Others maybe think that Jesus is going to speak a word and the lepers will be healed because he has done that um, before and maybe that's going to happen again. But Jesus doesn't actually do any of that. He actually says something which I think surprises everyone especially the lepers, because Jesus stops, he hears their shouts, and then he says to the 10 men, go to the Jewish priest, the religious leaders of the day, so that they can be examined. Now, to understand what Jesus is saying and the importance of it, we need to understand the local priest and the duties that they had at this time. So it was more than just leading worship on each Sabbath. They were essentially like a, a quasi-health official, <clears throat> excuse me, a quasi-health official. So if a person was miraculously healed of leprosy, it was up to the priest to inspect the body. The priest would look at the body and they would test for a complete removal of the disease. And if that was the case, the person would be announced healed. So the person is healed, they're cleansed, they're back to normal, and at that point, they can go back to what was their normal life. They can see their wife again. Uh, they can hold their son or daughter. They can look for work. It's very much a life-changing um, uh, word from the priest. And if the priest gave, gave the okay, officially, the leper was healed. But I actually wonder what's going through the minds of the lepers at this time. I wonder if they're feeling just a little bit ripped off. Here's the Messiah in front of them, 
They know that Jesus could have healed them simply by speaking a word, yet he chose not to do that. He chose not to do that. And I wonder for you and for me, if God doesn't answer the prayers the way that we think he should, if he doesn't answer them according to our timing or our plans, I wonder if we grumble and complain because those prayers aren't answered the way that we want them to be. Possibly that's what the lepers are doing. But given this, it's actually quite remarkable that Jesus asked them to go to the priests while they were still lepers. So 10 minutes after this interaction with Jesus, the lepers look down at their bodies and nothing has actually changed. The hands of one man, it's still mangled. Another looks at his leg and he's still missing the lower part of that leg. It's just a filthy rag at his knee. Another looks at his skin and it's as repulsive as it's ever been. The reality is, after the interaction with Jesus, these men are no better than they were minutes before when they'd spotted the famous teacher and they'd yelled out to him. So you can imagine at this point, the lepers are thinking, why would we go to the priests? They're not going to say that we're healed. But for Jesus, the goal was never for these men to be healed by the priests. That was never his goal. What he actually wanted from them and what he wants from you and me today was their obedience. The healing of the lepers was actually conditional upon their obedience, even if it didn't make sense to them there and then. For these lepers, if Jesus really was their mighty Lord and their wonderful master, as they shout out in verse 13, then let them prove their faith by this display of obedience. And that is exactly what the lepers do. They set off to go and see the Jewish priest. And this really was truly stepping out in faith, as in like they were a new man. They were a new person. They were a healed person, even though they looked and felt like they were the old leper. And it's what the Lord requires from you and from me today. He wants our obedience to whatever he's actually asking us to do. Now, we too might feel like the old man, like the person that we've always been, like we, we can't do the things that God is asking us to do, or we can't say the words that he wants us to speak, or we can't believe for the miracle, which seems so out of reach or so impossible. But do you know what? We actually can. We all have an element of faith and the faith is activated in obedience. And so my second point today is that we can be thankful because Jesus sees us. We can be thankful because Jesus sees us. Now, God doesn't actually see the old man. He sees the new creation, that person that we become when we accept Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. We might look like the old person. We might look like and feel like the lepers did, but God sees us in the way that we read about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I love this. It's one of my favorite verses. If anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. 
All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. Now we might see ourselves as the world sees us, but Jesus sees us as heaven sees us. Ponder that for a moment. Let me ask you this. Are you seeing yourself through the lens of this world, a world that is broken, or are you seeing yourself through the lens of heaven? The lens of this world or the lens of heaven? Now, sometimes we alternate those lenses, of course. But when we look at ourselves, we're often good at finding those areas where we lack, those areas where we still need to improve or we need to grow or we need to change. That's human nature, especially when we live at a time when we are bombarded with messages over and over and over that tell us that we're not good enough or that we, we need this thing or we need that thing. We need this device. We need that potion. We need this cream. Whatever it might be, the world is telling us that we are never enough. But that's not how God sees us, because when we look through the lens of heaven, we actually see something entirely different. We see ourselves and importantly, we see other people the way that our father in heaven actually sees them. We see people that have potential. It might be untapped and unreached, but it's there. We see people that have gifts and talents. We see people with passion. We see people who have been transformed and who people who have been set free. We see people as our Father in heaven sees them. And this is exactly what Jesus sees in the lepers. It's what he also sees in you and me. Now, does that mean we're perfect? Of course not. I'll be the first one to put my hand up and tell you that I am a long, 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 long way from being perfect. Not even close this side of heaven. I know that I actually will never get to being perfect. But I give God thanks all the time because he pours out his grace. He pours out his forgiveness. He pours out his compassion. He pours out his understanding upon me and upon you as I hopefully become more and more like him each and every day. We can be thankful because, because God sees us. He sees the real us. And Jesus saw the real men, excuse me, when it comes to these lepers. After obediently taking off and going to see the priests, something actually remarkable happens. They get healed. Now, no one's laying hands of them. No one is praying mighty prayers over them. No one is giving them medication or anything like that. What we read is simply 10 men obediently stepping out and following the instructions of their Lord. And as they do that, they receive their healing along the way. And I just imagine at this point of time, you know, one of the lepers looks at the others and, you know, they, they go, oh, hold on. Right, you're healed. Oh, I'm healed. And there's smiling and there's cheering and there's just this sweet madness. And so they race off into the distance, not believing that the nightmare is finally over. And as I read this, I can't help but think this healing is a result of the faith that they have demonstrated. That these lepers, even though it didn't make sense, even though they only saw the old man and not the new, they obeyed Jesus and his words and they received what they were after. Cleansed bodies that were free from leprosy. Their world was turned upside down and it was for the better. 
Now, in order for this miracle to happen, these men had to actually start walking in faith before their circumstances had changed, even just a tiny little bit. And we need to do likewise. If you need a mighty touch of God today, can I encourage you to take a faith step towards your miracle and then wait and watch what God will do in your life? It has to start with that faith step. Now let's move on to verses 15 and 16, because it's here we actually see the reaction of one of the lepers when it comes to his healing. And what I want us to note is the default setting of this man. It was a a default setting of thanksgiving. In verse 15, we read, One of them, a Samaritan, when he discovered that he was completely healed, turned back to find Jesus, shouting out joyous praises and glorifying God's. When he found Jesus, he fell down at his feet and thanked him over and over, saying to him, you are the Messiah. Now, what I find interesting about this is that the one who actually returned was a Samaritan. So there were 10 lepers. In amongst them were some Jewish lepers, and there were also some Samaritans, some Gentiles. And one would probably naturally think if only one of the 10 was returning to Jesus to give thanks it would be one of the Jewish believers. But that's actually not the case here. It's actually the Samaritan man, the unlikely one, who came back and was, as we read, shouting out joyous praises and glorifying God. Now, I said earlier that lepers weren't known for being quiet. They shouted a lot of the time. But this man wasn't quiet. He wanted the whole village and everyone that was around him to know about what had happened in his life. His message was worthy of high volumes because he wanted everyone to hear about what Jesus had done. And I wonder in your life, because I look at this in my life as well, if we share the goodness of God at the same level and the same enthusiasm and the same volume as the lepers do, You know, when something supernatural happens in us or around us, do we shout that from the rooftops and declare the glory of God and his goodness so that everybody can hear that? Or are we a bit more introspective, maybe a little bit more quiet and we don't shout out our thanksgiving? Because I think the world needs to hear it. The world needs to hear and we need to give God the glory that is due to him. Now, ultimately, in these two verses, what they tell us is that 10 men were willing to go through a religious ceremony. That was to go to the priest. They were all prepared to follow the steps in order to get what it was that they wanted. But sadly, it was only one man who had true praise and true thanksgiving to the point where he returned to thank Jesus. Now, that might not necessarily have been an easy thing for these 10 lepers to do. At the start of verse 16, it tells us when he found Jesus. So that seems to suggest that the Samaritan man had to go and find Jesus, that he had moved on from the village by this time, and so the man had to go and find him. But he was determined to locate Jesus and give thanks for all that he had received. Perhaps the other lepers, they tried, but they gave up. 
Perhaps they went to the village, Jesus was gone already, and so they just said, oh, well, that's it. We're not going to bother anymore. We're not going to go and try and find him and give thanks. We don't really know because the text doesn't tell us that. But what I do know with certainty is that thanksgiving is very much a condition of our heart. It's this internal matter. It's the drawing out of the heart in thankful love. That's what it is to uh, have thanksgiving. It's to display the love that we have for God, our Heavenly Father. And so that brings me to our third point. Our thanksgiving pleases God. So as we read verses 17 and 18, we can see the effect this interaction had on Jesus. So where are the other nine? Jesus asked. Weren't there 10 who were healed? They all refused to return to give thanks and give glory to God, except you, a foreigner from Samaria. Now I read those couple of verses and I grieve with Jesus. Here is this man who has turned the lives of these 10 lepers upside down, never to be the same again, yet only one of them returns to give thanks. No longer are these men outcasts from society. No longer do they only have each other for company. Now they can get jobs. They can see their wife and they can see their kids again. They can be involved in community activities. They can travel. They can go to weddings. They can go to other community celebrations where once they were shunned because of their affliction, now they are accepted and they are approved. They very much have been transformed from that old man that we read about in 2 Corinthians into the new. Yet what puzzles me is that there's no sign of nine of these men returning to give thanks to Jesus for all that he has done. And we actually see in verse 18 that it's not just an oversight. It's not like they've just forgot uh, to go and give thanks. It's actually a deliberate act because it tells us there in verse 18 that they refuse to return to give thanks and give glory to God. Can you imagine that? Can you fathom that? Because I simply can't. How is it that these men make a conscious decision not to return and thank Jesus? Because that's what it does. It tells us that they refused. They said, no, we're not going to do that. Well, you might think it's head scratching as you read that. But sadly, it's happening today. There's people who receive, for example, a supernatural, unexpected, unexplained healing. But they don't give the glory to God at all. They don't thank him for that. Or there might be others, say, whose marriages have come back from the, the brink of destruction. And yet there's no thanks for the role that God has played in bringing restoration into the marriage. This is not just an event or a a, a, a pattern which took place thousands of years ago. It's happening today. It can be so easy for us to give ourselves the credit, to give others the credit, to say it was just lucky or it was just coincidence. But here's a truth that you need to know today, and I'm going to remind you of it. God is interested in every single aspect of your life. He's working all things together for good, so he deserves all our thanks. And so in verse 19, as we wrap up today, we actually see that this one Samaritan man, he's full of praise, he's full of thanksgiving. He actually receives something more than the other nine lepers. Here's what we read. 
Then Jesus said to the healed man lying at his feet, Arise and go. It was your faith that brought you salvation and made you whole. Made you whole. It's a very interesting phrase that is used here because we could look at the story of the 10 lepers and think that their lives have already been made whole. After all, they've all been healed. Their bodies are restored back to before when they got leprosy. But here Jesus actually promises this Samaritan man something more. It's something greater than just his physical healing. There was an extra healing for this 10th leper. When Jesus said this, he likely meant that God's work was happening within the, the man's heart as well. He'd healed his body, but now he was healing his heart. The other lepers, their bodies were whole, but as we saw, their hearts were still sick because they didn't come with that spirit of thanksgiving. Yet this man, this one leper, this Samaritan, had been made whole inside and out. He was completely cleansed and healed. This man's faith allowed him to experience the fullness of God. And so as we finish today, I want to encourage you to be full of thanksgiving at all times. Now, I know that there are times when we don't feel like being full of thanksgiving. But when we choose to look at those times through a kingdom lens, we can actually find thankfulness even in the darkest of places. There are always reasons for gratitude before God. There are. We've just got to look at them. Even in the darkest valley, there are reasons to be thankful. In our passage of scripture today, nine lepers obeyed the religious ritual, but only one of them had a heart full of thanksgiving and praise for what Jesus had done in his life. Can I encourage you to choose to be the one, no matter the cost? Let's choose to be the one who is shouting joyous praises for what God has done in our life. Let's choose to start walking in faith and celebrate as our circumstances change along the way. Let's do a factory reset if we need to on our life. Let's restore it back to its default setting because one of those settings is Thanksgiving. To hear more podcasts from Grace Church Australia, make sure you subscribe and stay connected by going to gracegathering.online.